Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. All right, open your Bibles up to Leviticus chapter 14. We're talking about a word that for years had bothered me, and it's found in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24, where Jesus says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Now, I I said all this last week, let me just recap this. The reason that bothered me is because the Bible clearly states that when the Messiah comes and he hangs on a cross, that no bone in his body would be broken. We know Jesus is the Passover lamb. And in Exodus 12, we see where God says, here's how you prepare the Passover lamb. And in the instructions of preparing the Passover lamb, he specifically says, no bones in his body would be broken. And so for years that bothered me where we would read this, taking the Lord's Supper, which is literally Passover, and Jesus says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And yet, and we would make it work, right? We would make it work that when they whipped him, they, they, his skin was peeled and, you know, and all these things. So his body was broken. But it just grabbed me a few weeks ago. There's got to be a secret in here. Amen. There's got to be something that we're missing. Now, a lot of Christians don't like to hear something new. They're called old wineskins. I'm going over here. A lot of Christians, you know, years ago, I was years and years ago, when I first started studying the Jewish roots of the Bible, I was preaching in a wonderful church in Kansas, I believe it was. And uh, I preach that when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain the separated man from the Holy of Holies was ripped from the top bottom. And Jesus said that we can come boldly before the throne of God. And I said, look at what Jesus said. Jesus said from that moment on, don't pray to me, pray through me. We don't pray to Jesus. Jesus is not on the throne. He's at the right hand of God because of Jesus, our Lord and savior, the savior of the world. We have access to go boldly before the throne of God. And I said, when they pray, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. When you pray, miracles happen. And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to show you how to pray. When you pray, say father. Now go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, he goes, no, no, you're not listening. When you pray, say father. So I said, Jesus is the door that leads us. We have, and the whole thing was, we have access to the throne of almighty God. And this woman in the church came up to the pastor and I, and she was so upset. She goes, I don't want to hear new things. (laughs) She actually said that. I don't want to hear new things. And I thought, you know, that's the way a lot of the church world is. We don't want to hear new things. But what does the word of God say? He said, when you know the truth, that truth you know will set you free. And we learned last week that word free means to live a life in full liberty. So when Jesus said, this is my body, 
which is broken for you. We know that his body was not broken. And so I went to study it. And of course, we know that Jesus, you know, and you hear it all the time. And that's great. You can get some great things out of Greek words. But Jesus did not speak Greek. He didn't. He didn't speak Greek. So we can go and say it says in the Greek, and we can, we can get some great stuff out of there. But if we really want to know what Jesus is saying, we have to look at the words in Western Aramaic or Hebrew. It's ancient Hebrew. And so when Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you, he used the, the Aramaic word or the Western Aramaic word, the Hebrew word, gatsa. And the word gatsa, when Jesus said, this is my body, which is gatsa, which is broken for you, it literally means the word scraped. Now, the reason why that is so important is because when we realize, when they, when they beat Jesus, and I, I, I should have grabbed one, I think we have one in the prop room, that when they beat Jesus, they didn't just beat him with a whip. When they beat Jesus, it was a, a whip with with nine leather bands coming out of it and on the end of each band were these were these hooks and so when they beat jesus and it dug into his skin and they pulled it back and they did it over and over and over again they literally peeled scraped the skin off of jesus they literally filleted him no man has ever been beaten like this and survived so when Jesus says, this is my body, which is scraped for you, it has a phenomenal meaning. And understand this, that this word, every, every word in the Bible always has two distinct meanings. It has a physical and a spiritual. You know, I, I was telling the guys in the back that the Bible is the rhema of God. It's the living word of God. The ancient Jewish wisdom says the Bible, the Torah actually has 70 faces. Each word, each revelation has 70 different meanings. The rabbis of old say you could study the Bible every moment of your life and never discover everything that's in there. But in the last days, God will reveal to the Gentiles such revelation that the power of God and the miracles of God and the blessing of God and the abundance of God will flow on us to a degree so great that all the world will want the God that we're serving. And so it's great what we learned 40 years ago, but... We need to go from the milk into the meat of the word because it's the truth that we own, that we understand, that sets us free. And so when the Bible talks about Jesus' body being scraped for us, we talked last week about the miracle of healing. That no matter what you're going through, no matter what the doctors say, and I love doctors, I honor doctors, I give them so much respect, and I'm going to show you something in a moment. But no matter what they know and what they do and the, and the giftings that God has given every doctor and every person in the medical profession, it's only a shadow of what God can do in every one of our lives. Amen? And I say that with all respect. 
But I want to take you a step further from physical healing this morning to spiritual healing. Read with me in Leviticus chapter 14, starting with verse 39. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. And indeed, if the plague or the curse has spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague and they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. And he shall cause the house to be scraped. This is the same word, scraped. This is the same word that Jesus used when he said, this is my body which was scraped for you. This is the exact word. And, they, uh, and he shall cause the house to be scraped inside. Everybody say inside. Inside, all around, and the dust that they scrape off, they shall pour out into an unclean place in the city. And they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other mortar and plaster the house. Now, what's happening here is Israel has just taken the promised land. When they move into the promised land, they didn't need to build houses. They took over houses that the Canaanites were already living in. Now listen to what I'm telling you. And because the Canaanites were enemies of God, the houses that they moved on to had curses on them. You know, I've told this story before, but it's such a great illustration. Years ago, Tiz and I were down in L.A. and we're getting ready to do uh, a television program. Actually, it was for TBN. And they wanted me to come in and teach on breaking family curses, breaking on generational curses. And we were in a hotel and we were outside, right outside, I think it was Universal Studios. And I've told this story before that we're getting ready. And on the mirror of the hotel room it gave a list of things to do in case of an earthquake. Now you looked outside and here were rides and here was the highway and here were buildings and there was the sun shining. Everything looked perfect. But the reason they had that sign on that mirror is because they knew that on the surface, everything looked perfect. But beneath the surface, there were some real problems. There were fault lines that if these fault lines came together in a certain way, it would literally destroy that city. And what I've learned is that so many times we come to church and we lift our hands and we're praising God or we're at work and people are making, uh, uh, having a good time or making jokes or whatever. And on the surface, things look great. But if we were to look below the surface, there are problems that if they're not taken care of are going to destroy that life, that home, that family, or that city. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about generational curses. The Bible says that 
It's talking about a bird. A bird is flying around. You know, Tiz and I were looking out in the in our backyard yesterday, and uh, we we always had bird feeders up there and could let all the birds come in. We didn't put them up there this year because it not only draws the birds, it draws the squirrels, and the squirrels are eating our out, outside furniture. So Tiz wouldn't let me. I said, I'm going to put bird seed out. No more bird seed. But here it is. All of a sudden, these birds are there at these empty feeders. And we thought, you know what? Somehow these birds, they're migrating from somewhere up north, but somehow these birds flying know exactly where those feeders were. There are birds that go from Alaska or Canada all the way down south, and they said these birds will not only come to the right city, they'll come to the exact tree that they were in last year. That's what David is saying here. That's what God is saying here. Like a bird who's flying around. He's not just flying around. We have birds that come back. Doesn't matter what we do. We put up spikes and we put up wire and they come back and nest in our gutters or in our eaves every year the same way every year. And this is what David is saying. There's something in them that draws them back to that same place. This is exactly what happens with a generational curse or a family curse. Now, without getting into this too much, and we'll get into a lot of this during Freedom Weekend, but the Bible says there are basically three ways that a curse can come in against our lives. And when we're talking about a curse, you know, the the Bible says confess your faults one to another. Now, that word fault means what's underneath the surface. And let me say this, and I said this, I think, last week, or maybe we talked about it in the back. Watch, how you, watch who you talk to. Amen. Don't go telling everybody your business. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, there was a thing. I had a couple come, and they said, you know, we're in this ministry now where uh, if you did something, you're to stand up in the congregation and confess it. And I said, do no, you do. Listen to me. When the Bible says confess your faults one to another, there's wisdom involved with who you talk to. You're going to, you want to confess it. You can go to somebody and say, you know, pastor, would you pray for me? I've got an anger problem. Would you pray for me? Uh, uh, I know God told me to give you a million dollars and I haven't done it yet. But you don't go confess just to anybody. Amen? But the Bible does say confess your faults one to another. On the surface, everything looks good. But below the surface, there are some, there's something happening, and we need to get this taken care of. Now, without getting into this a lot of detail, the Scriptures, ancient Jewish wisdom, and, and the New Testament says there are basically three ways that a curse comes into our home. Number one is we inherit it. That's what happened with the Israelites here. They moved into a home that already had curses in it. That's what we're talking about when they called for the priest to scrape that away. Number two, one, something we inherited. Number two, something that we did. You know, you can do something and ask God to forgive you But you need to also say, God, and I receive that my curse is broken. 
Jesus didn't just die for us on the cross. And we'll get into a lot of this in Freedom Weekend. If all Jesus did was die for me on the cross, we couldn't praise him enough, worship him enough, thank him enough. But the Bible says, cursed is he who hangs in, on a tree. Every sin that we've committed has a curse attached to it. That's why the Bible says the wages of our sin is death. It doesn't just mean we sin and then someday we go to hell. We sin and it brings death. We do something wrong and it brings death to our home, our family, our children. When you're talking about a plague and we're talking here about leprosy, which is a plague that covers so many other things, one of the worst ways that we can bring a curse onto our lives is through saying something bad about somebody else. Gossip, say gossip. Gossip is the number one way to bring a curse on your life that seems so innocent. But let me throw one thing in there because so, I'm so limited in time. Listen to this. A curse is divine retribution for the failure to feel the needs and share the hurts of others. In other words, God says, I show you something that's right. I give you a way to, to help somebody that, 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 that will, will save their lives or do something that will, will ease their hurt, and you don't do it. That opens the door for a curse. And there's so many things we can cover in this, but listen to me. We have elections coming up in November. There is nothing more cruel, and if you've done this, you put it under the blood of Jesus, and you say, Lord, I break the curse off of this. There's nothing more cruel that a person or a nation can do than killing an unborn child. Now, if you've done that, if you've had an abortion, we bring it before Jesus and we ask for forgiveness, but we also say, God, break this curse off me. I don't want this on me. But I want you to understand that if we vote as a nation or individuals for someone who is pro-abortion, we are giving them our approval to kill unborn children. And we got to understand how serious this is. You know, when Jesus said, if you cast somebody into hellfire, that word hellfire in the New Testament is Gehenna. And Gehenna is the valley that flows down below Jerusalem, where before Jesus came, you know, where the Lord says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that valley is Gehenna. And Jesus said, if you say to your brother, you fool, your enemy will cast you into hellfire. That, that word is Gehenna. When the enemies would defeat Israel, they would take the bodies of the Jews they killed and throw them into Gehenna because Gehenna was the trash dump. And the reason was the trash dump is God would not allow you to build a home, a life, or a nation where babies were sacrificed. Say amen. So come November, you need to think, or come election, you need to think about who you're voting for. You cannot vote. 
unfortunately, we had churches just recently, last week, bring one of the guys who's running for governor of the state, who his main platform is abortion, and this friend of mine, he's a great friend of mine, brings him and parades him in front of his congregation. Listen to me. If I kill you, I'm responsible. If I hire someone to kill you, I'm responsible. We cannot vote for someone who is pro-taking the life of an innocent child. Amen. Say, so, well, pastor, we don't, we, we, we ought not get into politics in church. That's not politics. That's Bible. The moment we are conceived, our soul stands before the throne of God and we are given a mission for when we're born into this world. So when we kill an unborn child, we're not just I shouldn't say just, we're not just taking a life. We are stopping a mission that God has already released into destiny. We need to be serious about this. Amen. Amen. So something we inherited, something we did, or something that has been done to us. Now we're going to get in a lot of these, but these things open up the curse. Now let me show you something here. And I'm not going to be able to get through all this. Turn with me to Mark chapter seven. And I'm going to show you something that is absolutely amazing. When Jesus says, this is my body, which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. The next thing he talked about, he said, this is my blood, which is the new covenant. Now, now what I want to show you, and I won't be able to finish today. What I want to show you is number one. God wants to bring healing, physical, spiritual healing to every area of your life, right? But number two, he wants to release. He doesn't want to just move. Let's say, let's say your family suffers from a generational curse of family, family curse of anger. He doesn't just want to remove anger. He wants to replace it with joy. Let's say your family for generations have lived in poverty. He doesn't want to just remove the poverty. He wants to replace it with prosperity. Now, I'm not going to be able to hit all of this today. But remember, this is my body, which is broken. When we read the scripture, that word scrape, the high priest would come in and say, here's a curse in this house, a curse of illegitimacy, a curse of anger, a curse of drugs, a curse of sickness, a curse of whatever it is. And and as Christians, we have a hard time saying, you know, I I preach for a, 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 I had a pastor. We used to do a conference up in Portland. We'd bring pastors in to heal them. And, and we'd have, we'd bring in six, 700 couples and we had 700, 750 volunteers in the church would take the whole week off to heal these, these pastors, to get them back going for the kingdom of God. And I brought in this one pastor. He's been a great friend of mine. If I said his name, you know him. He is wonderful. He is a pastor's pastor's pastor. And he told me he's, and he's got a huge church and about 10,000 people. And he asked me, to, he preached for me several times, and he finally asked me to come preach for him. And I preached on breaking generational curses. This was years, we're still in Oregon. 
And after, when I was done, I said, how many of you here need a generational curse broken in your life? 99% of the church, including his staff, stood up. And he said, and now he uses that teaching as part of the new converts class. But he said, I didn't have you in, Larry, because I'm thinking, well, these are Christians. They, they're doing great. And we, do, we are, so many times we're great on the surface, but what's, been, what's beneath the surface in our home? Is there anger? Is there failure? Is there drugs? Is there divorce? Is there, that is passed on from generation to generation. I don't have time to teach on this, but if you read that teaching in Leviticus, sometimes the neighbor's house even gets, the houses are connected. The houses are connected, and so the curse that's in that home, that's why he said they remove the stone, but they don't only remove the stone. Once the curse is broken, then they put the stone back in, and they replaster it to seal in the blessing. So God doesn't want to just free us. He wants to reverse the curse. You know, I say it so many times, every curse is broken, every curse, don't let that thing that every curse is broken, every curse is reversed. Don't that become our Hail Mary full of grace where we're just saying it. You need to understand that through Jesus Christ, not only did his, was his body scraped to break every curse on us, but through his blood, he has renewed us to every blessing, every promise. Somebody say, every every promise in the word of God now I, I, I'm not going to get through this but look at Mark chapter 7 and I'm going to have to do this after Veterans Day because this is I was sharing this with Tiz and I was sharing it with the guys in the back and everybody said pastor this is a whole book but let me just get you started because we want to pray look at Mark chapter 7 verse 32 and then they brought to him one who was deaf and had impediment in his speech, and they begged him, begged Jesus, to put his hand on him. And he took him outside, Jesus took him outside, or took him aside from the multitude, and put his fingers in his ears. He spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open. Now, I want you to look at this word, Ephatha. It's an Aramaic, Western Aramaic word. We read this, and Derek, could you come up with me? We read this, and this is the way I've all, always read it, is let's say they bring Derek, face this way, they bring Derek to me and said, he's deaf, he's, he's, uh, has a hard time speaking. And I've, I've preached this, I've had to preach this, where Jesus comes to the man and he puts his fingers in his ears, puts moisture on his tongue, and he says, open. And, and we, we read that as he's saying to the ears, open. The ears open. But I was reading that a couple days ago and it says he put his fingers in his ears and did what he did, spit and put his finger on his tongue, and then he looked to heaven. And when he looked to heaven, our scripture says, he says, Ephatha, open. 
But was he saying open to the man? Or was he looking to heaven and saying open? Now, I'm going to tell you, I've got a whole series of teachings. When I saw this and I realized that there, Jesus, yes, I'm, sh- I'm sure he was saying to the man, but he looked to heaven. His gaze went up and he said, open. Now, I'm going to do a whole teaching on the word open, but I want you to think about this. In Malachi, it says, I will open the windows of heaven. The word window, thanks, Derek. The word window is the word yeshod. And the word yeshod means a funnel, a connection from the throne of God to you. Now watch this. I'm not going to be able to finish it. Watch this. So we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, I got an anger problem. Lord, I got a financial problem. Lord, I've got, I've got a, a, a marriage problem. I got a problem with my kids. And Jesus touches us. But he looks to heaven and he says, Ephatha, open. And the Aramic word for open means be unbound, be connected. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They told my mom and dad, your son's a junkie. When I got saved, I was mainlining cocaine and heroin every day. My mom told Tiz years later, she said, never thought I'd see Larry alive again. He'd either get killed in a drug deal or he'd overdose. I was a stone junkie. And the world says... Once a junkie, always a junkie. But the word says, who the sun sets free shall be free indeed. Now watch this. It doesn't matter if it's deaf. And, and I don't have time. I, I, the word open, oh my goodness, where do you see what this means? But you go all the way back to the prophecies of the Old Testament. And he says, in the last days before the coming of the Messiah, he will open eyes that don't see and he'll open ears that don't, that don't hear. We go, that's great. That's miracle healing. Yeah, but read what follows. He will open eyes that don't see. He will open ears that don't hear. They have eyes, but they don't see, Jesus said. They have ears, but they don't hear, Jesus said. But blessed are you, anointed by God, anointed by God. That's what the word blessed, Baruch, means, that have eyes to see and ears to hear. And it's the prophecy is, or is the coming of Messiah, they have, their eyes will be open that they may see, and their ears be open that they may hear. And yes, that can be physical, miracle healing, yes, but... Then it says, when their eyes are open and their ears are unstopped, prophecy will come. Water begins to flow. Victories become theirs. Miracles become theirs. Everything they put their hands to, God begins to touch. And so what God is saying here, and I, and I, and I don't have time to get into all of this. It is, an am, it is an amazing thing. Oh, man. 
But what is the difference between by his stripes we were healed? Can I, give, can I take five more minutes just to give you a taste? Because I won't be able to finish this. By his stripes we were healed. The word stripes in Hebrew, Aramaic, we, when we think of by his stripes we're healed, we're thinking of obviously the stripes by the whip on Jesus' back, right? But the word stripe in Aramaic, and they were the whip. They were the whip on Jesus' back. But the word, and every time that whip dug into his flesh, his flesh was peeled back. His flesh was scraped off of his body. But the word striped means a bonding of two becoming one. It's the same word stripes as a husband and a wife. When they get married, those two become one. It's the same word of a bonding like between Jonathan and David where they became one. It's the same word that you take two different pieces of material and you put the seams together and where there were two different pieces, now they are by the stripes, they are bonded as one. So Jesus said, every time they laid that whip on my back. I want you to know that not only are your curses removed, not only are your sicknesses removed, not only is poverty removed, not only is, is, is anger removed, not only is everything the devil throws you, but I am bonding you by my blood and wherever you go, I am going with you. You cannot separate us. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you that by his stripes, we are totally healed. Stand with me all over the building. I haven't even got to the good part yet. I haven't even got to the good part. What is the difference between being healed and being cured? By his stripes we're healed. I will cure you of every disease. You want to know? When they came in and they looked at the house and in the house, there was the curse. The priest would come in and scrape that off. Jesus said, this is my body, which is scraped for you. God will remove sickness. He will remove poverty. He will remove divorce. He will remove racism. He will remove anger. He will remove failure. He will remove any, any attack the enemy. That's the healing. I, I, I'll get into it next time. But then it says he'll cure our diseases. The word cure in Arabic is geha. And it means after I remove it, I will bend over you and protect you so that enemy cannot come back again.
Oh, it gets, it gets, it gets, it gets so good. It gets so powerful in this revelation. Let me tell you one story. They told my mom and dad, your son's a junkie. The experts say once a junkie, always a junkie. In other words, how many times has the devil said to you, I mean, you love God, you come to church, but boy, you got the fault lying beneath the surface. You know, when we found out about Tiz having cancer and Lion having had cancer, it's amazing how many people we ran into after that that would say, you know, when we tell about the miracle and they say, would you pray? You know, everywhere you go, people are affected by this. Now you wouldn't know it because they're walking, they're singing, they're working, they're doing those things. But how many of us are carrying that cross that we shouldn't have to carry? They said, your son's a junkie. Once a junkie, always a junkie. He'll never change. There's a scripture in Exodus, and I won't, maybe we'll get into it next time. And it talks about the, the healing power of a doctor. And I say this, I want you to know that with Lion, with Tiz, man, I'll tell you what, thank God for good doctors. Amen. And I won't get into all of this, and I say this with all due respect. Well, let me tell you the story, and then we'll pray. You've heard me talk about Rabbi Schneerson. He went to be with the Lord back in the 90s, and I read everything his. Well, his father was a rabbi in Europe, and he heard the doctors talking, and they were talking about his daughter, and all the doctors, brilliant, brilliant doctors, came to the same conclusion, there's no cure for her. There's nothing that can be done. And Rabbi Schneerson's father stepped up and said, listen, doctors can heal. Doctors are a gift from God. And I'll, I'll, get to, I'll read the whole story uh, to you next time. But he says, but no doctor has a right to say there's no cure. And it goes on to say, doctors can do surgery, miracle surgery. Doctors are, a, doctors are a gift from God. And so that's why I don't limit that you can get your miracle, your healing from a doctor. Because a doctor is gifted by God to heal you. But the difference between healing is doctors can heal, but doctors can't cure. Because what the word cure means is I will cover you so the enemy will not come back. And you think about the words of Jesus as a hen gathers her chicks. I would have covered you. You think about the scripture where it talks about the eagle and the storm is coming and the baby eagles get under and the mom spreads its wing and covers them. And I love what it says, until the storm of destruction passes. That's why Jesus said, this is my body. It's broken. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of this for you. I'm the Passover lamb. 
I'm going to scrape this away. But once it's away, they, the rabbis would come back in and put the new stones in and they would plaster that because it's not enough just to take it away and you still got a hole in your life. God recovers it and brings total healing. Think about Jesus as the Passover lamb. The Lord said, when I see the blood, and we read it as the, the word peshik, I will pass over. But he says, when I see the blood, I will stand in front of your home and I will forbid the enemy to come in and destroy you or anyone in your family ever again. Amen. I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. The first step is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This is why so many times prayers aren't answered because the first thing we pray is, Father, forgive me. And that's not a bad thing because the Bible says we've all sinned. We've all sinned. Every one of us, big sinners, little sinners, every one of us needs Jesus Christ to be our Lord and our Savior. So many times we wait to pray until the jail cell door is closing or the doctor brings the evil report or we get the divorce papers or we get the notice from the bank and then we pray. But the first prayer is, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior the savior of my soul, but the savior of my life, the savior of my life, of my home and my family. So as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, no one's looking around. You're here right now and you'd say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I wanna give my life or I wanna rededicate my life to Jesus. I need him to be my savior. Not someday, yes, someday we're gonna go to heaven. Yes, that's true, but he'll be your savior today. He'll be your savior right now. He will save your home, save your life, save your, 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 your family, save your marriage, save your business. So, oh, that's a selfish way. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that life more abundant. It's the Father's good pleasure. So as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one's looking around, you're here today and you say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I wanna receive Jesus Christ or rededicate my life as being my Lord and Savior. Slip your hand up all over the building and just hold it there for a moment. Hold it there for a moment. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Just keep them up. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Just keep them up, please. That hand, that hand, that hand, that, that hand. Just keep them up. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Amen. Just keep them up. That hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you, sir. That hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Lift it up real high. Anybody else? Anybody else? That hand, God bless you. Give these people a great big clap offering. Tell them how proud we are. Come on, tell them how proud we are. Now, we're going to pray all together, but confess your faults. And, I, and I'm, I only have two minutes, but I'm going to take a little longer. We come and we, we, we pretend it's okay. God doesn't want you to get by in life. He's come to give you life and that life more abundant. So if there is in your life or in your family a generational curse, the Bible says confess it. I'm not gonna, you don't have, you're not going to confess it out loud. You can confess it to him. He's going to scrape that away. And then he's going to put new plaster on it. You know, I don't battle. You know, my greatest, my greatest 
battle in my life. Everybody knows about drugs and all those things. But you know what my greatest battle was? And I used to say men, but men and women was anger. Man, my dad was angry. My family there, everybody's angry. Everybody's, have, everybody's angry and it ruined their lives. Moses didn't get to go in the promised land because he didn't get delivered of anger. And that kind of thing will keep you. You're, you're gonna make heaven your home, but it'll keep you from the land that flows with milk and honey. Maybe there's a generational curse in your life of failure. Just everybody fails or, you know, I, I love the Lord whether the bills are paid or not, but I'm happier when the bills are paid. Is, is that okay to say that to you? Is that okay to say, you know, I, 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 I serve God in plenty or in one, but can I tell you, it's more fun when I'm praying for people to be healed than I'm praying for food to be in the cupboard. Is that, is that okay to say? If there's a, something repeated in your family, something that's repeated in your family and you want that broken today, I want you to come out of your seat and come down and stand with me right here. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's divorce, maybe it's poverty, maybe it's drugs in your family, maybe it's going to jail, maybe it's depression, maybe it's suicide, maybe it's cancer or disease. And you see this thing, you see this thing repeated in your family. Come down, come, the closer you get to the spout, the more the glory comes out. Come this way. Now, look at me a minute. When Lion got cancer, and keep coming, please. When Lion got cancer, the Bible says, whatever you bind on earth, right? Whatever you bind, we, we didn't say Jesus bind this. Jesus said it's finished. Yeah. Whatever you bind, right? Whatever you bind, who binds it? Me. You, that's exactly, you know what? When you said that, a new, you, God just took you to a new level of faith. Amen. God just took you, my brother, to a new level of faith. You felt it, didn't you? I saw, I saw it in his eyes. I said, who binds it? He goes, me. And you could see it in his eyes. Th that, that's the same anointing when Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? I felt virtue. I felt anointing. You watch your walk with God begin to be blessed. Like, are you guys together? You guys, you watch. Are you married? Have you met my daughter? No. <laughs> Sorry, Kate. Sorry. Sorry, Kate. Sorry, Kate. Whatever you bind, who binds it? Who binds it? You, you, I bind you devil, right? Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Jesus didn't do, oh Jesus, he said it's finished. I give you the keys to the kingdom. Who do men say that I am? Well, some say that, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ. You're the one who will remove the burden. The wages of our sin is death. Listen to me and break the yoke. So many Christians have removed the burden. They've asked God to forgive them, but they're still carrying. They're still dragging that yoke from their family. My greatest yoke was anger in my life. And I had that anger in my life 
and we're pastoring our second church. And I've still got this in my life. And then one day it dawned on me, I'm just like my dad. And the world says it like this, like father, like son. You're just like your dad. You're just like your grandpa. You're just like your grandmother. You're just, and that can be any, and that's not blaming them because it probably landed on them somewhere, right? It probably landed on them. But I said, is this in the Bible? Is this in the Bible that what's in the father passes on to the son? We're passing in Australia. And all of a sudden I found out it's not only in the Bible, it's in there over 325 times. And this is why Jesus had to get to Calvary with the cross. He had to get to, because cursed is he who hangs on a tree. I'm pastoring. I'm a dad. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. And I've still got this curse of anger that's on me. So we broke that. I just went before God, brother, and I said, God, this is a generational curse. I break this. Now, and anger can be, you know, women can be angry too. What, you know, the man, what's wrong? I'm punching holes in the wall. The women, what's wrong? Nothing. Well, I feel it right over in here somewhere. But anger, that anger in a woman can sometimes be depression. That's a curse. How many times have we asked somebody, is there this in your family? And almost every time they'll say yes. So when Lion got cancer, we started binding cancer. We rebuke you. Devil, we bind you. We rebuke you. And then Tiz got cancer. So we're binding this devil. Now listen to what I'm telling you. Devil, I bind you. And then all of a sudden, the doctor says to Tiz, now listen to what I'm saying to you. The doctor says to Tiz, we're going to test you because you have a BRCA gene, which means that cancer will pass on to your daughters, your sons, your grandsons, your granddaughters. And so I'm praying. And I realized some of Tiz's family did die of cancer, but a lot in her family died early yeah. of bizarre situations. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not just sickness, but automobile accidents or hunting accidents or whatever. And God spoke to me and he said, yeah, we need to bind cancer. Yeah. Yeah. We forbid you to be in our body. Yeah. We forbid, we forbid failure to be in our home. We forbid divorce to be in our home. We forbid drugs and you bind that. But instead of focusing just on cancer, I began to, we began to as a family bind the spirit of early death, of early death. Then they say, lion doesn't have a bad gene. He has a positive gene. Then they say, Tiz doesn't have the gene that'll pass on, it's not there. It's gone. So that gene, that gene 
in the physical was related to cancer, but in the spiritual. And let me say again, thank God for wonderful. When I pray for you, you you're, you're going in for surgery. You're going in, we bind the devil. We rebuke it because God's waiting for us to bind him. Right? But then we also pray divine wisdom on doctors and nurses and everybody in the pro because and 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 i hope i'll get into it when we get next time because god has given doctors and nurses a divine gift to do to do stuff we could never i could never even think of doing like that so we pray for divine wisdom on those and god will speak to those doctors and those nurses and say here's what we need to do it's a combination of god and man right right but whatever we bind, when we bind that, that's the scraping away. It's going to go. Remember when Jesus on Yom Kippur, they would bring how many sacrifices to the temple? Who said it? Say it out loud. How many? One to forgive the sin, the other to break the curse. And they would take that one that's the curse goat and send it down to the desert right send it down to the desert then they would put guards on the roads this is what jesus is going to do today he put guards on the roads because if that goat got back or that lamb got back and where's that lamb going to go where it was last fed where it was last watered it's going to come home you know you ever lose a dog and then it comes home because that's where it's being fed that's where it's being watered that's being cared to but when that if that goat would die in the wilderness that not only was the sins forgiven now the blessing is released Amen. now the but there are blessings there are blessings for your individual life that are stored up in the vaults of heaven, ready to be released right now, because not only are we gonna have that thing scraped away, it's gonna be removed, and God then sends the priest in and replaces those stones and recovers that. Not only was he wounded, his body broken, but then by the blood, every blessing is now ours in Jesus' name. Amen. How many here have, what do you need God to do for you? Either way. And, and, and listen, if I ever ask you something, you know, what's wrong with your body, and it's, and it's uncomfortable, what's, you, know, you don't have to say it. Just say, you know, God knows or none of your business. And, because we never want to bother anybody. But what do you need God? Huh? A laundry list of things amen but I, i'm going to tell you something Th- there's generational curses in in your family that have been here here but also and I'm, I'm not just saying this in general i'm saying this for you right now there are blessings that should have been in your family that have been stolen there are things on your on your father or grandfather thing that god had prepared but because these things weren't broken the enemy came and stole those you watch not only god breaking every curse you watch your generational blessings that begin to come into your life and you but here's the danger there's gonna you're gonna become so blessed that you're not gonna feel like you need god to do a miracle for you don't stop walking for god 
as the blessings begin to flow. Amen. The more you're blessed, the closer you need to stay to the blessing. Listen to me. Listen, I've seen so many people who had nothing and they get blessed. And the next thing you know, you don't see them in church anymore because their payments are paid, their new cars there. And you don't see them in any church anymore. Listen, the Lord giveth and the Lord can take away. We're in the last days that we don't want to waste time having to do it again. Let's get the blessing now. Amen. What do you need God to do for you? Yes. Okay, it's all right. Disagreement in the home? Yeah, that's a, that is, that is a, I don't know if you heard him, but he said a, 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 a family curse of disagreement in the home. That's a curse, okay? A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So God will, and this is for everybody. How many, how many have disruption going on in your home right now? Raise your hand. Okay, so if I give a word to somebody, it's, it's for all of us, right? So God will come in and not only scrape away that curse of disruption and division, what will he do now? Say it out loud. If, if he's going to remove turmoil, what's he going to bring in? Peace joy happiness right and and I, I forgive me i didn't get to read all the scripture or teach it but look at what it says he comes in and removes it then he looks and he says is it gone yeah it's gone then he comes in and says all right let's plaster this up so that thing can't get back in there okay god not only breaks the curse he reverses the curse listen my biggest curse was anger. I, I say that all the time. I tell it all the time. And God didn't just remove that. I'm, I'm still a man. I'm still a man's man. Okay. But instead of being angry at people, I, I, it's hard to get me mad at somebody unless you're driving slow in the fast lane. There is no, there is no excuse for that nonsense. I've gotten, I've gotten into fist fights in church while I was pastoring. True? Shut up out there, I'm talking here. But I'm telling you something, I don't fight anger anymore. I'm still angry, but I'm angry at the devil that's trying to steal our kids. I'm angry at the devil that's trying to get in our schools. I'm angry. You know, I'm, I'm still, uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, but the, how many, how many, how many, let me just say this for men. How many men have in your family an anger problem? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. How many, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. How many women? Yeah, see? See, we, the devil tells us we're the only, don't say anything because you're the only one. No, I'm telling you something. God will sanctify that aggression, my brother, my sister. God will, God will sanctify. You know what? I saw you raise your hand. I don't know if you're raising your hand for yourself or in your family, but I'm going to tell you something. There is, there is a sensitivity. You're, you're very sensitive, and through that sensitivity, things set you off. 
But I'm going to tell you something. God, God's going to reverse that sensitivity. It won't set you off. God's going to use that sensitivity. He put that sensitivity in you to hear the voice of God, to be sensitive to what God is saying, to be sensitive to the needs of other people, to be sensitive. God wants you to lay hands on people and pray for people. God is going to scrape that away and then what? Replace it with the blessing and the favor of God. Amen. Amen. Look, look at me. If you don't want to raise your hand, don't raise your hand in this. But I'm just saying what God's telling me. In your family, a spirit of suicide. In your family, a spirit of suicide. Yeah. yeah. Lift your hand up. Lift your hand up so I can see. In your, in your family, a spirit of suicide. There are, there are, let me just say to you, there are great giftings in your life that are going to get ready exposed. The reason why, and it's thought, has anybody in your family committed suicide? Yeah. And you've had those thoughts? No, but it's, it's, and if it's, if it's none of my business, don't say anything. Females in your family, males in your family, male. Okay. The reason that is, is because of the enemy has removed that covering. You have giftings in your life and the enemy may have removed that male covering in your family, but God is replacing that with you feeling his covering your holy father's covering and in that covering you're going to feel strength and giftings and confidence and power amen do you receive that okay do you understand what i'm saying every this is why the devil tries to bring this is why the devil tries to in a, in a let's just say america have fat kids raised up without fathers so why the devil brings up? Because you've got to have that correct father covering. But if you have children without fathers, what you need to understand, or if you've been a child without a father, he is your father. My father, God, God love him. My father was not a good father, but I've got a father that, now watch this, now watch this. I had to learn. You know what somebody said to me when I first got saved? You know what my pastor said to me? He said, you're going to have to learn to let God love you. And you're going to have to learn to let people love you. And that goes all the way back. And I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of person that, oh, I grew up in a broken home. My father, you know, get, you know stand up, get on with it. We all, we, you know, we've all had problems at home, right? But there's a reality to it. And what, what I realized, I, my father, it doesn't matter if I hit a ball out of the park or if I catch a touchdown or if I do anything, my father loves me so much that he sent his only begotten son. Amen. And that's real in a lot of your lives, especially in women. Yes, ma'am. So I just want to say one thing. You hit on abortion. And I don't think that any woman or family member should leave here today without having Absolutely. that burden broke. Absolutely. Because to hit on it, I yeah. feel like we've exposed it and we need to be freed from that. Yeah. And not only just if a woman has had an abortion, but sometimes it's in our families. Yeah. And we don't even know it or realize it and that can affect the generations yeah. and i well, think that needs to be broken let me today. say this about abortion if you've had abortion or you're watching around the world you had an abortion satan comes yeah. to condemn yeah. jesus comes to give us life yeah are, are you with me yeah. there is no condemnation say it 
Say it. Say it. Say this with me. There is Let me, let me share this with you to help you. I've done things before I knew Christ. Nobody knows. Nobody. Tiz doesn't know. My pastor didn't know. Only, only two knew. Who were they? Well, three of us then. Me, God, and who? The devil. Okay. When I started, I, I, I think I've told this story here. When I, we started pastoring the church in Santa Fe, our first church, there was a guy that would come in. We were just a little, little liquor store building in the, in the hood. And there's a guy would come in, and he'd stand in the back like this and stare at me. I, I was leading worship. Tiz was playing the organ. And as soon as I started to preach, he'd, he'd look at me like this and go out, and he'd just look at me like this. So one day I had somebody preaching, and I said, take this, take this. I'm gonna go. And so he started going, and I grabbed him, and I came out, and I said, sir, 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 wait a minute. And he's walking down, and he wouldn't. I said, sir, wait a minute. And he goes, you have no right. You have no right to be a pastor. If those people in there knew where you came from, and he began to name things that nobody knew from my past, from South American drug dealing and all this other stuff. He began to name things. There's only three people that knew that. Who was it? So who brings up your past? Every time. And you know why he brings up your past? Because he doesn't want you to feel worthy. But you are worthy. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he who is forgiven much loves much right? There's something about knowing I've, I've been there, done that, and Jesus has forgiven me. So w- walk away in freedom. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I, I'm going too long. I, I promise next time I'm going to preach shorter and, and pray longer, but let's pray this out loud. Let's all pray this out loud. Close your eyes, lift your hands. Pray this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. Now look at me right now. Look at me. I've been saying this thing for 50 years. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. Tiz, Tiz used to tell the story. She was a $5 sinner and I was a million dollar sinner. That's how she'd say, you know, Larry, but we, and she said, we both need, well, she's at least seven fifty. Eight bucks, somewhere around there. But we all need the Savior the same way. There is, there is none, there is none righteous. No, not one. But it, when you come to Jesus, we are righteous. You are righteous. Doesn't matter when you did it, right? So let's say this again. Lift your hands, close your eyes. Say this out loud. Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority. Look at me, look at me. You are, you are, remember when by his stripes you're healed? That's the bonding of two friends becoming one. 
Now look at me, right? That's the bonding. When he, he, he suffered so we wouldn't, he bonded with us. He became one with us, right? Jesus said, no longer do I call you a servant. You are my friend. I am bonded with you. Whatever you bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven, right? Right? So lift your hands up. Say this out loud. Satan, I command you to leave my life. I declare every curse is broken and reversed. Get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home. Get out of my family. All right, stop right now. Look at me. Look at me. Stop there. Okay. You know when the Bible says, and, and I, I forgive me, but when I open the door to the supernatural, it it's just a flood. When the Bible says, "Thy kingdom come," thy He says, "You're declared thy kingdom come." You know what that means? It's like one. It's the emphasis is like saying, "Come, kingdom of God." Be done, will of God. I will not settle for anything, but come, kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is joy, happiness, and peace. And the will of God is the blessing and the joy. So when I say, say to Satan, get out of my, I want you to, I want you to picture, I want you to picture somebody breaking into your home and trying to steal your joy, trying to steal your children. You're not just going to, Satan, get out of my life. I don't know about you, but I'm calling on the Holy Spirit. I'm grabbing a baseball bat. I'm loading my shotgun. I'm putting on my 44s spiritually, and I'm running him out of my home. So close your eyes and say this with me. Satan, I command you, get out of my home. Get out of my family. Get out of my body. Get out of my finances. Let go of my children. Let go of my future. And I declare in the name and by the blood, every curse is broken and every blessing is released in my home, my family, my body, my future, my children, my grandchildren, my church, my pastor, my neighbor. Satan, you are defeated. Not someday, but today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now seal it with joy. Come on, come on, come on. Seal it with joy. Seal it with joy. Tiz says it this way. When we've dealt with cancer, she said, I'm not denying it's there. I'm denying it's right to be there. Okay, the reality is God did not make me a drug addict. God did not make me a violent person. But the reality is what Satan meant for evil, God reversed that curse And there is no one that we can't look at here or around the world and say, listen to me, our God can do something for you that no one 
has ever heard of before. And let me seal it with this. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've done in the past. I don't know, but I know someone who does know. And he looked from the cross at you and I, and he shouted and he spit in the devil's face. And he said, devil, it is finished. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering.